Let's pray together and then we'll jump in. Um, Before we do that, today we're going to talk about our values as a church. Northwest Community Church, we've established some values and we want to kind of share what those are and what they mean for us. Um, So anyway, that's where we're headed. Heavenly Father, we just come to you today grateful um, for how you love us, grateful for this morning, for the opportunity to think about this new season and that you um, came for us. John 1.14 says that you became, Lord, that you did something other than you, what you already were and made yourself human, a baby even, to come to us. So Lord, we're excited about this season. We're excited about how you love us. I just pray that you would speak through me and as we talk through these values that, Lord, we were, we're gonna read scripture and, and uh, I pray that your word would move and touch and affect us this morning. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So as a reminder um, for those who just kind of jumped in or haven't been around or been wondering what's going on, um, this summer uh, we, we were in the process of becoming an independent church from ACF becoming Northwest Community Church. And um, I just, for a little bit of background, want to tell you that this summer as I was out um, taking a break and praying and just spending time with the Lord and really not with a purpose, not, you know, other than just spending time with the Lord. And um, really felt like the Lord said to me while I was out that, hey, um, I want you to stay in the place that I planted you. And so I said, okay. Because that's what you say when you feel like pretty sure the Lord tells you something, you say, okay. And so um, as I kind of walked through that, there were some things just, I will call them growing pains um, between us as a community and ACF. And as I prayed about what we do about that, I really felt like the Lord, again, um, I just felt like he wanted us to wait where we were to wait. And so... um, we didn't have to wait very long. My second meeting back with our full team, they offered us the opportunity to become an independent church. And so as we walk through that process, and, and that's kind of where you guys get involved, and we shared it with you, and you know the story from there for the most part. Um, if not, and you want to hear it, I'd be glad to tell it to you. So I really do feel like we've, we're walking through something the Lord's opened up for us, and it's been incredible, and we've been super grateful But our team, our leadership team, our elder team, and um, our staff, as we talk through what's important to us and how, you know, what do we value and how do we guide ourselves and how do we go forward, we landed on these three values. The first value is the gospel, which is always good to talk about Jesus, right? If you're a church uh, who professes faith in him, and we do, um, that's our primary value, that's our most important front and center, is that we are about Jesus Christ. So we'll talk about the gospel today, and we'll talk about love, both a noun, God's love for us, and a verb, how he loves us and how we love others because of that love. And then the last one is community. And a lot of people, that's in our name, Northwest Community Church. And um, that has a couple facets, both inward and outward. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And these values we hope are descriptive of who people in this community know us to be. We hope they're also values that we aspire to be, and we hope you know, that, we, that they're goals for us or that we always want to operate in this way, loving and in community 
and always talking about the gospel, right? So that's, they're kind of guardrails for us so that when we have opportunities down the road, we think, is this something that lifts up the name of Jesus Christ? Is this something that's a benefit to the community that we serve in or to our community as a church? Is it loving and gracious? So these are kind of our guardrails as we go forward. Um, We didn't want a big list, you know, because if you make a big list, nobody remembers anything. Well, I don't remember anything. Maybe I'm sure y'all would, but I, I wouldn't. Um, so I, we wanted it to be three or four. And that fourth one, we toyed with the idea of humility, although I found if you say you're humble, you just blew it. Um, and authenticity. And, you know, again, like while we aspire to be authentic, the last thing we'd want somebody to do is come be around us and us not be authentic. And I don't know, it just felt trippy. We want to, that's a part of community. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, But, you know, those were ones, humility, authenticity, and simplicity. And we thought actually the simplest thing we do is just leave simplicity off and just operate as simply as we can. And when you load in week in and week out, and um, it's hard to say you're simple too, right? And so we want them to be at their core, true about us, but also good guidelines for us. So let's talk about them. And I hope as we talk about them that they challenge us individually and collectively as a church. That as you guys leave here and you think and pray and as we go forward, that you think about these values and you think about how they relate to us and how we relate to one another based on them. So this first value, the gospel, the good news, our name isn't um, Church of Christ or Disciples of God or Christ Church, or Christ Chapel, it's Northwest Community Church. And so we wanted pretty quick, if somebody looks at our website or talks to you or whatever, that the value of the gospel would be right up there at the top, that people would know that we exist, you know, and it says in our mission statement, our purpose is to love God, to love one another, and be the church in this community, that we want people to know about Jesus. John 3, 16 when every time I hear somebody say that, I think of the yellow poster board, the guy with the rainbow wig um, at games. That He, I guess, doesn't go to games anymore or whatever. I'm just dating myself by saying that. But it's this. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him not, will not perish but have eternal life. That's the New Living Translation, John 3.16. And I like that verse because it's the gospel. It's the good news about Jesus in one verse. 2 Corinthians 5.21 is another one. There are other verses. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with him through Christ. And so this is simple mission, and it's a high value, and we want others to know this story, and I'm just gonna tell you the story. People say a lot of times the gospel and you're never quite sure maybe what they're talking about. But it's the story of Jesus just described in those two verses, this idea that God loved us so much that he gave us a choice, right, to either uh, follow him or to go our own way. Ephesians 2, the first few verses talk about that if we choose to go our own way or we think, hey, I'm not really deciding for God or for the devil, I just want to do my own thing. Ephesians 2 and the first two or three verses talk about that really we're following the devil when we do that. 
And so we had this choice at the very beginning. You know the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. And they chose to turn their back on God who'd offered them everything the same way he offers us everything. So as we're celebrating now in December, he sent his son, Jesus, to live a perfect life and to give his life up, just like I talked about in 2 Corinthians 5.21, to be a sacrifice for us. And so he's this perfect sacrifice that satisfies the law, that takes care of all of our sin, past, present, and future. And that's what Jesus does for us so that we can be made right with God. Or some translations say righteous, or we become the righteousness of God. For me, in very simple terms, it's this idea that we're made right. We have peace with God. And what I love about this is if you look back in the Old Testament and you, and you read about the character of God in a great psalm like Psalm 103, and it talks about in Psalm 103, like in verses three and four, it talks about the forgiveness that he forgives all our sins and he redeems us from death and he crowns us with love and tender mercies. And like, that's the gospel too, right? And Jesus is the one who made that happen. And so it goes on to say in that psalm that he will not constantly accuse us or he won't treat us as we deserve to be treated because of our sin. And it goes on and says that he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west, right? And that's what the good news looks like is that, you know, if he said north and south, you've probably heard me say this before because I'm fascinated by this. And so just stick with me. But if he says north and south, you travel north. If we leave here and start traveling north, that way, right? And we go north. At some point, we begin to travel south, right? Logically, that follows. We hit a place called what? What? The North Pole, where Santa lives. And so we, get, we hit the North Pole, and then we begin to go south, right? But if you travel west or east, I did that opposite. I did it for you. You're, you're west. Anyway, but if you begin to travel that way, you never stop traveling east, right? You can travel all the way to the far east, and you're still traveling east. And so whether it's just words or semantics, I don't think so. I think the Lord gave David those words to talk about that our sin is completely removed. He's removed them so far apart they can never meet, which is pretty incredible, right? Just me. I think it's incredible. And then it talks about that he's like a father to us in Psalm 103. And so the good news is, is that Jesus, the fulfillment of everything it talks about in Psalm 103, that he restores that relationship so that we can walk without sin and we can have a father and we can walk in his presence and, and we're dealt with as though we had never sinned. And this happens when we confess our sins and we invite him into our lives and we enter into this eternal relationship with him. And so our team, as we talked about this value of good news, we came on this verse, Romans 1.16, which says, I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. And that's it. Like, that's what we want people to know. That's the thing we want to share in one-on-one -on -one conversations when we get together in groups, is we want people to know that when we share this good news, that that's the power of God at work. And John 6, Jesus is being asked what they, people should do. And he just said, hey, the work of the kingdom is this, to believe in me, the Son of God. 
right? And so it's just so powerful when somebody believes and invites the Lord into their life. And here's the thing. It's not just so that you'll be in the right line on the day of judgment. It's much greater than that. And you know that. But just, you know, for those who are considering this, or maybe to just be reminded that Romans 5, 1 and 2 says that we've been granted access into a place of undeserved privilege because of what Christ has done for us, that we get to actually go into the holy place and commune with the Lord. And before Jesus did that, there was this curtain that separated the holy place and the most holy place. And when Jesus died on the cross and gave up his spirit, that curtain tears from top to bottom. And the curtain is open and we now have access and we can go right into, as we're encouraged to, a couple places in Hebrews, to go right into the presence of the Lord. And that we have the capacity to do that because of what Christ has done for us. And his spirit, when we invite him in, is alive in us. And we get to be with him and he leads and guide us. And that, that's all part of what the good news is. And this good news begins to transform us begin to change what we care it begins to change what we care about it begins to change what we focus on it begins to change how we spend our time and a lot of times you've heard people say you know we're just sinners saved by grace and that's true but it's much more because of the good news because yeah we're sinners Romans 7:18 talks about how there's not one good thing in my flesh. And we somehow change that in our minds so there's not one good thing in me. But that's not true because when you invite the Lord and his spirit comes to live within you and now there is something good in you, right? And we're referred to in Romans 8, the next chapter after Romans seven eighteen, where he says, there's not one good thing in my flesh. He begins to talk about us as sons and daughters of the king. And that's our identity and that's who we are and that's how we get to live, and we're actually called heirs into his kingdom. And so that is, you know, I could probably go on a little bit longer, but that's what the good news is. It's not just this idea that I get saved, which is incredible, and I'll take it, right? But it's this idea that I come into communion and relationship with the living God, and I get to walk with him day by day. And like that verse I shared at the very beginning, that his light lights up my world. And I begin to see things differently because of his presence in my life. That is like a more complete picture of the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? And so this is what we want people to know. Whether we meet with them in a coffee shop or at work or it's how we live side by side with them as neighbors and how they see us relate to them and love them, but as a church, individually and collectively, we want people to know that we're about this good news, that we're about Jesus, because we understand what he can do in our hearts and in our lives, and how he can change everything. So our second value is love. And um, I've had a good time this past football season talking to the Anderson football team about love, and how for a group of guys in a locker room, like nobody wants to talk about love, which is okay. But I wanted them to think about it different. And I want y'all to think about it as it's defined in scripture. In 1 Corinthians 13, four through seven, it says, love is patient and kind. 
Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So this is the way that we want to relate to each other. And we want to understand first, this is the way the Lord loves us. And I want you to think about those words, that he's patient and kind. Not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. You know, do you know people like this? Do you think of them as, if you, if you know somebody who's like this, do you think of them as weak? I don't. The people that come to mind for me, I think of quiet strength. I think of resolve. I think of somebody who's settled, knows who they are, and is at peace with who they are. The idea of not being irritable, like I don't want to step on any toes after Thanksgiving, but that's a tough one, right? Just me. Remember, we want to be transparent. And keeps no record of wrongs and rejoices not about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. I love that. And then this last idea, this is what I talked to the guys on the football team about, was that love never loses faith. It never gives up. Is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Like, don't you want to be one of those people? That that's the way you love the people around you, that you never lose faith in them. You never give up on them. You're always hopeful about them and you endure. Your, your love for them endures through every circumstance. Up, down, in, out, bad, good. That you love them like that. And so when I shared this verse um, a month or so ago with a group of guys um, and we were talking about it, right? Like what I got back as I heard back and I get it, like me too, but it was a lot of, oh man, I, 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 don't, I don't do that. I don't love people like that. And I said, hey, I get it. I want you to think about this though. And I want you all to think about this. This is how your heavenly father loves you. But this is descriptive of his love for us. This is the perfect love that he loves us with. When it says God so loved the world, he loves us like this. Through every circumstance, his love endures. And, um, and, and he enables us to love others like that. But to love others like that, we have to receive the idea that we've been loved like that. We have to be okay with that. A lot of times we put up barriers because we think, ah, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve it. Right, you don't deserve it, and neither do I. But that's how he loves us. Psalm 103, 17, if I go back to that psalm, in verse 17 it says that his love is from everlasting to everlasting. And, and what that means is there was never a time that he didn't love you because his love is from everlasting and there will never be a time that he won't love you because his love is too everlasting. So it's this broad, long love 
that Paul talks about in Ephesians 3 that he wants, he's trying to describe it to us. He goes, I want, I want you to understand as all of God's people should, how high and how long and how wide and how deep his love really is. And, it, and he says, you know, it's, it's too big to fully understand, but you can experience it. And that's what I want to encourage you guys with today. And I want you to think about this as like a church body that we would love each other like this. That first thing that we do to be able to do that is to receive this idea that we're loved like that. With this inexplicable, crazy, great, deep, profound love. That before we were born, he loved us, his word says. And that after we die, he loves us that that's the kind of love that we're loved with. And we receive that, then we can love others the same way. We went to a parenting seminar one time at a Pine Cove family camp. We had this speaker all week long, and he talked about uh, raising kids. And he said that uh, his kind of final charge after a week of telling us, you know, and encouraging us as parents, his final charge was, you just need to give your kids the same grace that Christ gives you. Man, I have thought about that. I thought about that all the way back from Tyler, and I think about it still. Because the Lord has given me so much love and so much grace, and to be able to give that to somebody else, it requires me receiving it, right? Like just to say, okay. And then as I get it, it begins to well up in me, and I begin to want to love other people. And that's what I'm talking about, to receive it so that you can give it. John 13, 34 and 35, this is Christ talking to his disciples before he goes to the cross. He says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. So this is what, as a church, I want us to aspire to love each other like this right, in a way that the world, at a very minimum, this community would know that we belong to him. So that brings me to our third value, which is community. And I think you guys get this, because on any given Sunday morning at 10.05, there's more of y'all out there than there are in here. And so either you love coffee or each other, but you like to be together. You know, it's funny, when we started this thing, um, I had the privilege of going around and meeting with people um, that were part of ACF or that had interest in this, but y'all all lived in this neighborhood. And I grew up in this neighborhood, but I was moving back into it. And um, I would meet one incredible family after another, but then I would meet with another one, and they were incredible too. But as I was talking to them, and I was like, yeah, do you know, you're probably good friends with so-and-so, you know, the, the whoever's. And they'd say, no, we know who they are. We don't really know them. And so, like, the Lord did this. He was, he was doing this work in us. And the reality is, and, I, and I've said this before, but we didn't start these churches. ACF as a church didn't start these communities for the sake of community. We started them because we felt like the Lord said, go plant churches in the city. But out of obedience, we did that. And what we got was we got this huge like side gift of community that we've all like been able to walk in and enjoy 
And, and it's been this, and as I look at it and I see the dynamics of it, what I'm reminded of is like, the Lord was doing these things all along. You guys had been neighbors with each other. You had kids on the same team or you knew who the person across the street was, but you never had time to do something with them. And then all of a sudden now we had church right here and you could run into each other and you could, you know, be in small group together or, you know, whatever it's been, but it's this thing that was already happening. It was already going on and that we've just kind of stepped into. And so we have two kinds of community. We have this inward community, this community we experience together, and then we have this outward community. And that's how we love and serve and give and participate in this community where the Lord's planted us, right? So there's, that's the two different types that I'm gonna talk about as we kind of wrap up what our values are. The inward um, is something that we value and that we need. I read an article last week um, about how CrossFit gyms have become community where churches used to be community because people have similar experiences or they've been burned out by church or they don't want to do that. But as they pursue their physical fitness goals and they run into other people that are like-minded, that this becomes kind of this crazy community where they love to hang out and kind of live their lives together. And so I know like whether you're a believer or not a believer in Jesus Christ, that we all have this desire to be part of a community, only that we get to be part of this community together that has this overarching purpose, this primary purpose of eternity and Jesus and loving people for his sake, which makes the community that much sweeter and greater. And so how we do it and how do we foster this and how do we continue to live in community with each other? Well, there's some simple ways like coming into this place and being ready to welcome those who aren't in it right now, right? So that they can feel a part of it and that we're ready to love them and encourage them and invite them into whether it's our groups or lunch or whatever, but that so everybody gets to participate in it or to invite people that you're on teams with who you know don't experience any type of that kind of community or whose kids are in the same class or whatever, but they're in this area and you think, man, like they would probably like it here. Well, to just invite them in. Like that's a way, you know, to, that, that's part of this inward isn't totally self-focused, but it's something that we do get to participate in. It's good for us and we need it, right? Like that's one of the things we talk about, loving one another. So how do we do it? Ephesians 4, 2, and 3, I think, give great guidelines. Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So, being humble and gentle, right? If you're like me, that's not like your first play all the time. But as we come together to think about that and to make allowance for each other's faults, I, I love that because it, What's implied there is that I have faults, right? Because the other people around me are reading that verse, and so I'm one of their each others, right? And so are you, by the way. But we make allowance for each other's faults, and we make every effort, effort, every effort to stay united in the spirit. So we have to realize, there's something that we have to realize here, and that's this. We have an enemy 
who's prowling around and would love to destroy this idea of loving each other in a way that the rest of the world knows that we belong to him. And so community is something we have to be careful with. And we have to know how to deal with each other. Like a lot of times, and I, I don't, I don't, I've said this before and I'm gonna say it again and I don't mean it mean, but you guys are very successful in the marketplace. A lot of you take flights every week. You go to meetings every week. You accomplish great things. And I bet you're not late for any of them. And yet when we gather here, we struggle to get here on time. And I don't, there's no judgment in that. Like if we have a small group meeting this week, I'm gonna struggle. We're gonna struggle to be there on time. And here's the thing, we have an enemy. There's not, who, does, who comes against us when we gather together because something can happen when we meet in community. We can encourage each other, we can love each other, we can build each other up in such a way that we can overcome the junk the enemy may have in our lives. And so he gets in the middle of that. And so we just have to, as a community, be cognizant of the fact that he may try to interrupt that community, this enemy of ours. And so when there's tension and when there's friction, we can go back to Ephesians 4, 2, and remember to be humble and gentle and to be patient and to make allowance for each other's faults because that's a value to us that we would have this kind of community. And, and Ephesians 5.21 says we submit to one another because of our love for God and our love for Christ. And so that's what we do. Out of reverence for him, we submit to one another and we're gracious and kind with each other. Um, and part of it is being transparent. And we've talked about that as we've had our group discussion tables. How does a church be transparent? It takes us as individuals, whether it's a small group or a coffee setting or in the back before we get ready or out in the hallway or whatever, being transparent, being willing to lead with the struggles that were going on and not the everything's okay, right? That, that, that also fosters good community. As we look at what we're called to be, um, I said when we started this that it's pretty simple, really, to be a church. It's profound and it's life-changing, but it's pretty simple, the, what it actually is. And it's to let, like, this isn't a social club or a country club or anything like that because there's a purpose here, an eternal purpose, so that when we gather or when we go out and when we serve, it's about the Lord and what he's doing in our lives. Matthew 22, 37 to 39 so you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, as we talked this through, we had some debate on this idea that um, to just be focused on this community versus to be focused on the city or the world. And um, I believe very strongly that if we will serve this community well, we will walk through the doors the Lord opens through relationships in this community, we will be in the city and in the world, right? But our call, we speak the language of the people in this community, right? Like we have similar experiences. The people we go to HEB with, the people that we're sitting in the stands with, 
the people that we do all that stuff, we have a bunch of similar background. We could be very effective for the sake of the kingdom right here. And if the Lord takes that and he takes it with through Claire Hickey to Uganda, ultimately, right? She's gonna go to Costa Rica in a couple weeks um, for training, but then ultimately lands in Uganda, then great, we will serve because we know Claire, we will go to Costa Rica and Uganda to support, love, and care for her. You see, and if um, we've experienced this already, the Hamptons were a part of this community when the Lord laid on their heart to go to Costa Rica. And so we sent people and money to support them in Costa Rica. And so that's the way we'll move going forward is we will focus on this community, but not to the exclusivity of what's happening in the city and in the world. I mean, you guys may or may not know a lot of the offerings that have come in have gone to help pay for. There's a lady who runs ISS, Liz Davis, and every summer in East Austin, she runs a camp for kids who have nowhere to go when school's out. And through our donations and gifts, we're able to provide food and support and other things for them so that that camp can happen. Well, there's something that's not actually in our community, but that's happening in the city that we've gotten to participate in. Same thing when we go down to Pillow to serve, right? That relationship happened because we had a good relationship with Sammy Harrison when she was the principal in this building before she became the principal at Anderson. You see, and so I feel like if we'll just focus on the next thing the Lord has for us, that he will get us involved in the city and in the world and we'll do those things. But I don't want to be chasing all that stuff and miss the first assignment. And so when I talk about outward community, I'm talking about what's happening in our neighborhood but not to the exclusion of what's happening in the city of the world. Does that make sense? And so that's the way that we'll go after that. And, you know, that'll take us places like Haiti, and that'll take, you know, where we have a relationship already, and many of you have been already. But we've been able to participate in some crazy great things, like all the refugee families that came in here years ago, right? And we got to love and serve them, and some of those relationships have lasted. And we've seen people like Syed Musa buy a house, out in Leander, and so we still, we still have people who go out there and share a meal with him and hang out with him and love him and his family. And anyway, there's a bunch of others, and you know them, and I just want you to know, if he wants to take us or export any part of what we're doing at Northwest, he will, right? It's his church, he's in charge, and he'll lead us where we need to go. And so, that's how we'll respond to Matthew 28, 18 through 20, which is the Great Commission, which Jesus shares with his disciples and his followers as he's ascending to go back and be with his father. He says, I've been given all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This is our purpose. This is what we're called to do. And the wonderful thing is that we get to do it together. So here's what I'd like for us to do today as we kind of respond to this message about who we are as a church. I'd like for you to just gather in groups of two or three or four and just pray I want you to pray that we would be these people individually, individually, person by person, we would be these people who are moved and motivated by the gospel, whose primary motivation is love.
and who value the idea of being a part of a community and serving in this community. But just pray about that. Pray that we would be those people individually and then as a group that the Lord would use us to have impact in this neighborhood. Jay's gonna come up and he's just gonna kind of play. And as he does, if you guys will just stand um, and pray together. I'll say a quick prayer to get you started and then I'll close us in prayer in about two or three minutes. Lord, we just bring this time right now. Lord, you talk about agreement in your word. You talk about um, when two or three gather in your name. So Lord, we just give you these, we just wanna pray our hearts for this church and for this community and for people who need to know about you or that you would use us to meet any of those needs. We pray in Christ's name.